Thank you, Lord Jesus. Go with me, if you will, to the book of Galatians, chapter number 5. While we're turning there, I do want to uh, have you continue to pray for our youth camp going on right now. So many of our young people are there. Camp Yada is happening this week, and next week is our junior camp for our younger children. So we hope you'll be in prayer for our, our district youth and children's camps the next couple of weeks. And please also remember the family of Brother Lane Lemons. His uh, service, his visitation will be from 12 to 2 tomorrow and a funeral at 2 o'clock. So please continue to be in prayer, Brother Don. Our prayers go out to you and to your family and to, uh, to Lane's children as well. I'm just going to believe God to, uh, to help them in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Galatians chapter number 5. Verse number 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law, and they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. How many believe your walk ought to match your spiritual life? Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Amen. We're on our fifth lesson on the fruit of the Spirit. And I want to talk to you for a little while tonight on what our response to God's love should be. The fruit of the Spirit, everybody say, the fruit of the Spirit, the of the Spirit. Is, love. is love. Lord, I pray that you help me anoint me to teach your word, anoint our ears to hear. God, I pray that the word would not return void, but that it would bring forth fruit in our lives, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Let it be mixed with faith that it might profit with all. Help us to grow in grace and knowledge of you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated in Jesus' name. The Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, has attributes. There are characteristics of the Spirit of God. First, of course, it's called the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit for a reason. Because the Spirit of God is holy. It is pure. It is sanctified. And it makes perfect sense then that the Spirit of God would, would seek to make us holy. Amen. Amen. The first goal of the Holy Ghost is to make us holy. But that's not the only attribute of the Spirit of God. Secondly, the Spirit of God is everywhere. Psalms 139, 7 through 10 said, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? The writer said, Where can I go where your spirit's not at? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. Two opposite extremes. The highest you can go or the lowest you can go. 
God is still there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. There is nowhere we can go where the Spirit of God is not at. And so that also tells us that there's nowhere that we can go where we shouldn't let the Spirit of God work in us as well. The Spirit, according to 1 Corinthians 2 and 10, but God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. The Holy Ghost is a revealer of things. Have you ever been in a situation or been at a time in life when it was like the Holy Ghost sent off alarm bells and said, you don't belong here? Amen. For the Spirit, the Bible, this verse continues, for the Spirit searches all things. The Spirit of God is a searching spirit, a looking spirit. Yea, the deep things of God. There is something about the Spirit of God that calls His people to want to go deeper in Him. Amen. The Bible said the Spirit speaks to us. The Bible said that the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit. The Bible said that the Spirit can be grieved. The Bible talks about having the mind of the Spirit. I promise you we don't have time to get into all the attributes of the Spirit of God. But it's clear that the Spirit has characteristics that reveal the nature and the character of God. And not only that, but it reveals His will for us. When God fills us with His Spirit, His purpose is to impart his attributes within us. When the Holy Ghost comes in, it wants to make us holy. When the Holy Ghost comes in, it wants to help us to grow, to be more like Him. This is the fruit of the Spirit, or the harvest, the benefits, the result of the Spirit's influence in our lives. Somebody that's had the Holy Ghost for 50 years ought to be further along than somebody that's had the Holy Ghost for 50 days. Amen. Because we've had more time to have the Spirit in us to impart its attributes into us. Amen. Last week we spent a lot of time on aspects of the fruit of love and how, and how it should cause us to, uh, to act and behave. We talked about Corinthians chapter 13 where it talked about what love is and we talked about what the Bible said love is not and what love is. And so tonight I want to go a little bit deeper into the subject of the love of the, the Spirit and the love of God. I will tell you that it is my opinion that love is the greatest attribute of God. The Bible said that God is love. It doesn't say that God has love. It says God is love. It's not just that God has love for us, but God, His very nature, His essence, He is 
love. John 3.16, one of the most commonly quoted, and I might say misquoted, verses in all of the Christian world. For God so loved, everybody say God so loved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now it said for God so loved, not God so loved the church. He didn't only die for the church. He didn't only love the holy. He said the whole need not a physician. He loved the world in all of its sin, in all of its failure, in all of its insufficiencies. He still had the ability to love it. Now, I'll be honest with you. Sister D, I struggle with that same ability. When I see some of the stuff going on in the world, I get mad. My first reaction isn't, boy, I love them. I can tell maybe from the giggles that that's sort of the way you are too. I, maybe I'm not alone in that. But when God looks at the world, he doesn't say, man, they get on my... He says, I love them. It's, a, it's the difference between somebody that has love and somebody that is love. When I look at somebody that... that not, I'm not just talking about a, re, a regular sinner. I guess we're all... Re, I'm talking about somebody that, that, that has hurt and... And done so many evil. And, and I look at him. And I, it's hard for me to love him. But when God looks at him, he is love. He so loved the world. And that love caused him to give his only begotten son. God's love is a giving love. It's one thing to love somebody. It's another thing to love them enough to do something for them. But he loved the world, but he didn't let that love just be an emotion that sat in his heart. And said, boy, I love, that. I love those poor people that don't know anybody. I love those poor people that do all that. His love was so profound that it caused him to give. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish. That's the misquoted part. People often say would not perish, and they use that as an excuse to do whatever they want. But that's not what the Bible says. It said they should not perish. In light of the love of God, in the light of what he gave for us to be saved, there's not an excuse to be lost. Whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Everybody say that with me. Everlasting life. God's love led to giving, but it led not just to giving blessings. Thank God for his blessings. I'm glad for his blessings. But I, I need more than a blessing. I need more than a blessing to get to heaven. My blessings are good for down here, but I need more than blessings down here. What I need is everlasting life. And so God's love gave a pathway to everlasting life. When someone gets the Holy Ghost, part of the fruit of that is love. God puts his love, the fruit of the Spirit is love. He puts his love in us. And then we learn to experience his love for us. And that love is a giving love. <clears throat> There's something about 
someone who's full of the Holy Ghost, that they immediately want to give. Give their talent, give their time, give their treasure. You find somebody when they really get full of the Holy Ghost, man, they want to find something to do. They want to find a way to give, whether it's witnessing, teaching Bible studies, getting involved, getting involved in the church. When somebody's full of the Holy Ghost, they don't want to just get, get, get. They immediately want to give, give, give. You watch somebody that really gets full of the Holy Ghost. Now, I know we got a lot of people that come and get the Holy Ghost, but, but they don't necessarily stay full of the Holy Ghost. But when you find somebody that comes into the church and gets the Holy Ghost and gets full of the Holy Ghost, they cannot wait to find a way to give back to the kingdom of God because that's the nature of the love of God. For God so loved that he gave. And when somebody gets the Holy Ghost, the first fruit of the Spirit is love. And one of the characteristics of love is that it wants to give. And so they give their talent, their time, their treasure because love is giving. God's love gives everlasting life. Everybody say God's love gives life. Thank God for that. How many were dead in sin and then you found God's love and God's love gave life? Isn't that awesome? Isn't it great to have shown up at a church and been completely spiritually dead on the inside? To be dead in your spirit and know that you need God to do something and by the time you turn around and walk out, God didn't just give you a little blessing, but he gave you life. And you knew when you walked away from that altar full of the Holy Ghost that something had changed. I like that old song that said, something got a hold of me. Woo, hallelujah. I wish I could sing, man. I'd, if I was Bishop Wilson, I'd go, yeah, and I'd let it rip, brother. But I'm not. God's love gives everlasting. There's an old cartoon I've laughed at for years. And, and uh, I think I sent it to Brother Zach. I don't know if you'll be able to see it up there or not. Look, yeah. You, remember the 20 extra years you added to your life through clean, healthy living? Well, these are them. <laughs> that poor, pitiful man. If I'd have noticed he's in his underwear, I probably wouldn't have put it up there. But it's too late. I can't take it back, and I'm not going to. If that turns you on, you got a lot bigger problems than that cartoon, I'm telling you. But this cartoon reminds us of something, that just having life may not be that great. The older I get, the more I look forward to heaven. Amen. Brother Wilson, I've worked around here with you over the years, and, in, and, and every time you'd move, you'd get up, you'd grunt. Ugh. And then I'd found myself doing the same thing, and then I got older and found myself having to do the same thing. Brother Wilson says the least used words in Pentecost, Brother Brad, are you may be seated. And I, I was at this camp meeting in Arkansas Monday night. Man, we were having great church. And, we, man, you talk about preaching. Brother Urshan was preaching. We were having a move of God. That place was packed out with Holy Ghost-filled holiness people. And 
He was preaching and up and down, up and down, up and down. About 20 minutes in, I wish he wasn't doing such a good job preaching because my feet were killing me. The older I get, the more I realize that just life by itself is not always that great. If someone's life is miserable, unhappy, full of turmoil, full of grief, then living 200 years doesn't sound so great. But if life is full of joy and peace and grace and power, then living a long life is a great promise. I don't want to just have life. I don't want to just exist in mediocre and mundane day after day. But Jesus didn't come that I would have just a mediocre, mundane, dull, empty life. John 10 and 10, the thief cometh not before to steal, kill, and destroy. If you're fighting the devil, let me tell you why he's fighting you. He's come to steal something from you, to kill something in you, or destroy something that God wants to do for you or through you. That's why the thief comes. But here's what Jesus said. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Hallelujah. Why are you talking about that, preacher? I'm talking about it because the Bible said that God so loved the world that he gave. And the reason he gave was so you could have everlasting life. God wants you to have a good life. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Not just life. He said, I didn't just come that they might have life. He put a, the, 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 the verse, John 10 and 10, it has a comma there. That they might have life. But it's not the end of it. It's not the end of the point. The point continues. That they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I've come to tell every one of you that God wants you to have an abundant, blessed, happy, peaceful, Holy Ghost-filled life. That's part of the love of God. That's why He gave, so that He could give you everlasting life. Amen. And that's part of why you have the Holy Ghost. Because that Holy Ghost, one of the fruit of the Spirit, is love. And when God's love gets in you, it brings life more abundant. Amen. It's going to take me forever to preach about the fruit of the Spirit. Look at Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the thoughts. Now this is, this is the Lord speaking through the prophet. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you an expected end. Whew, praise God. I'm going to read it again. For I know the thoughts I think towards you, saith the Lord. Well, God doesn't, God doesn't care about me. God doesn't love me. God's mad at me. God, God doesn't, God's not concerned with me. If you say that, you are not telling the truth. Because God said, I know the thoughts I think towards you. Listen, you don't have the right to tell God what he ought to think about you. Doesn't matter how bad you've been, how much you've messed up, 
how long it's taken you to get your life together, you don't have the authority to tell God what to think. Amen. I was, a te- I, I was teaching a Bible study one time, and every time I'd make a point, the person I was teaching the Bible study to would say, well, I don't think that, and I don't think that. And I finally got so frustrated with him, I said, God doesn't care what you think. You don't have the right to think for God. Well, listen, well, I don't deserve the blessings of God. Well, listen, you don't have the right to tell God what to think about you. I don't deserve to have a ministry. I don't deserve to be blessed. I don't deserve to have joy. I don't deserve a happy marriage. Just quit telling God what to think and let him think what he wants. I know the thoughts I think. Listen, this is a powerful verse. I'm gonna, I, I said I was going to read it again. I got halfway through and got sidetracked. Then I started reading again, and I got halfway through and got sidetracked. So I'm going to try to really read it all the way again. For I know the thoughts I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Give the Lord a hand clap because I made it all the way through without stopping again. (laughs) Brother Bobby Watson sent this little short bottle of water up. He sent it through Brother Tucker as my sign to not preach very long tonight. And I told, and he's watching back there. I know he's watching on the security thing. I told him, I said, go tell Brother Bobby Watson I can preach just as long with a little bottle of water as I can with a big one. <laughs> this is a powerful promise. This, this verse, can you, can you throw that verse back up for me and just leave it for a minute? This is a powerful verse. First of all, it tells you that God is thinking about you. When, when Ellie, Ellie was little, she was what, about five years old? We were going to Orlando. I think she was about five or, no, she was four. She was four. We were, you were expecting Kate, three or four. And I, Ellie was alive, and we were going to Orlando. <laughs> so, so I guess she was three or four or 12 or she's just a little girl she was infatuated with two things pickles and mark bishop she doesn't like pickles but she talked about pickles all the time we're driving down the road going to disney world and she says anybody thinking about pickles (laughs) no she said is anybody thinking about Mark Bishop? <laughs> we weren't until you said it. She was infatuated. Couldn't get him off her mind. Well, let me tell you, God is infatuated with you and he cannot get you off his mind. God is thinking about you. When you feel like nobody thinks about you, God is thinking about you. His love is thinking about you. When you feel like nobody cares, I'm going to tell you, here's what God says. I am thinking about you. We should stop and really, really think about him thinking about us. The God of all creation that keeps the world spinning on its axis and everything in its orbit and all the planets and all the stars and all the mechanisms of creation 
and all the billions of people and the tides and all the stuff that goes on in the world on a daily basis. You know, the Bible says if all the things that he did were written, there's not the, the, all the books and all the libraries of the world couldn't contain it. Because if you're going to write everything that God did, every time you took a breath, you'd have to stop and write, God made me breathe. And every time your heart beat, you have to say, he gave me a heartbeat. And every time you had a cell replicate and a dead skin cell fall off and be replaced by a brand new living one, you'd have to write it down. And you'd have to do it for every person and every creature and everything that happened in the universe. There's not room for it. And with all that going on in God's world, God says, I'm thinking about you. That's pretty powerful. That's pretty awesome. When you feel forsaken and you just stop and think, okay, God's thinking about me. What's he thinking? He's thinking about how bad I am, how much I mess up, how, how many years I've wasted of my life. He's thinking about how, how many things I didn't get done today. That No, no, no. Here's what he's thinking. Thoughts of peace. God, I want, God's thinking, I sure hope Travis has peace today. God's thinking, I hope Aretha has a peaceful day. I'm hoping Marshall has a peaceful day today. This, God's thinking, thoughts of peace. Not, God's not saying, I wonder how much I can turn their life upside down and give them so much chaos. That, that they have to pray today. No, no, he's saying, I, I want them to have peace and not evil. I'm thinking good thoughts about them. Isn't it awesome to know that God's thinking thoughts of peace and not of evil? Amen. So many people expect the worst in life. I know I got to hurry up. I see the clock. My clock's ticking. To give, the, the master of the universe is thinking about you and me, and we're not just an afterthought, an insignificant thought. We're on God's mind, and what we're on God's mind, he's saying, I'm, I'm thinking thoughts of peace and not of evil. Here's, here's the New Living Translation. They are plans for good and not disaster. Am I the only person that sometimes I let stress and worries and cares and troubles make me sit around and think, uh-oh, what's coming next? That feeling of dread that everything's good now, so that means something bad must be coming. Am I, am I the only one that ever thinks that, or is there anybody else that ever falls into that? I'm just going to tell you, here's what the Lord says. They're plans for good and not for disaster. God is thinking good thoughts towards you. There's some people that are constantly looking for bad things to happen in life. Maybe it's a result of a dysfunctional background or, or some, maybe it's just a, a pessimistic attitude. I had one guy tell me one time that he was an optimistic pessimist. What I thought is, you're a retarded retard. <laughs> I didn't say that. I did not say that on live stream. What you just heard was your imagination. hope everybody's watching youth camp tonight. I hope James Wilson's preaching a fireball. 
The fact is that God's thought about you, thoughts about you are for good, not bad. God's not sitting around trying to design ways for your life to fall apart. You should not, listen, this is some of the most important teaching I'll ever do to you. You should not accept sitting around with a negative attitude and disposition. You need to reject negativity at every turn. The Guardian Recovery Network suggested that making a detailed gratitude list will undeniably pull somebody out of a mental slump. Psychologist and author Dr. Sonia, I, don't, I can't say that name, it's spelled L-Y-U-B-O-M-I-R-S-K-Y. You can say it, go for it. But nonetheless, Dr. Sonia did a clinic, and her, her team did a clinical study on thankfulness. They asked one group of people to write down five things they were thankful for from the previous week. And then they had a control group who just went about their business. The people who wrote things they were thankful for felt more optimistic and satisfied with their life. Their health began to improve. They had fewer physical symptoms such as headaches, acne, coughing, nausea. Maybe that's why I got to get rid of this cough. Lord, I'm going to write down stuff that's good. Other studies of people with chronic illnesses who were asked to count their blessings found that they began to heal from their sicknesses. The studies have shown, these were not religious studies, these were psychology studies. They have shown that individuals who express their gratitude experience positivity and positive mental emotions and physical health improvements. Just from adopting a positive outlook, well, how, what do I have to be positive about? Man, you're so negative if you say that. Here's what you have to be positive about. God said, I'm thinking about you. And I'm thinking thoughts of good and not of evil. That's what you need to focus on. Frederick Cohen said, we tend to forget that happiness doesn't come. And it's a great quote. We tend to forget that happiness doesn't come as a result of getting something we don't have, but rather of recognizing and appreciating what we do have. Woo. Preach it, Frederick. God, help me have a positive outlook. God, help me to remember to be thankful for what I do have. Help me to remember that you're thinking good thoughts about me. God, help me to have a faith-filled outlook. In Jesus' name. People often say that fear is faith, is, the, is faith in the devil, and I don't believe that. That's a silly thing to say. God created man with the capacity for rational fear. We went, we, me and, and Brother Marshall and some other guys, Brother Austin, a few others, we went to Alaska to, to salmon fish last year. And, uh, and, and it's bear country. Matter of fact, while we were fishing, a bear walked out on one of the guys. He took off running. I don't guess I blame him too much. So the day before I left for Alaska, I went and I bought me a 40 cal pistol and a box of ammunition. 
And while I was fishing in that river in Alaska, I had that, that pistol right there. Just, just, just in case. That's a rational thing to do. What's irrational if I'm sitting over there in my house and I'm sitting in my living room and I'm terrified a grizzly bear is going to come out. That's irrational. Fear in its place is not faith in the devil. But fear that begins to run wild is fear that you have to put under the blood and say, God, you got to help me because I need a faith-filled attitude. Third, the Bible, that verse says God wants to give you an expected end. The New Living again says, here's how it, how it translates an expected end. It says, to give you a future and a hope. In other words, God has a plan for you. And it's a hope-filled plan. God has hopes for you. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Somebody ought to be thankful that God has a plan for your life, a hope-filled plan. The reason I'm talking about this is because it's important for us to understand that God's love for us is positive and for blessing and goodness. And in a world that's negative, often surrounded by people that are negative, that never say anything positive. You've got to remember that God is a positive God. Amen. Let's, let's look at this passage, Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. There's, we are, we're not getting done. We're on page 8 of 27. It is not happening. So we'll go a little while, then we'll stop. Ephesians 3, 17 through 19, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Remember what I said, God, give us a faith-filled attitude that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. What Paul is saying is we've got to get grounded in the love of God. So that we can really begin to understand the dimensions of the things that God has planned for us. If we don't really trust that God loves us, it's going to be hard for us to really believe the length, the breadth, the depth, and the height of the things that God wants to bless us with. If we don't believe we matter to God, and we don't believe we're important to God. And we don't believe that God thinks about us and cares about us and has hopes for us. Then it's easy for us to think that there's no purpose for our life. And the, Paul tells the Ephesians that you need faith in your heart. That Christ may dwell in your heart. You need God to put faith in your heart so you can get rooted and grounded to really know the love of God. Because if you don't know the love of God, you can't really comprehend the length, the depth, the breadth, and the height 
You can't really understand all that God really wants to do. And to know, verse 19, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Paul said you've got to get rooted and grounded in love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Get rooted and grounded in it. One translation says it this way. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. If you're going to thrive as a Christian, you've got to get strong roots just like a tree would. You ever wondered why some trees are toppled by a storm and other trees survive? Very often it comes down to how deep their roots go. Deep roots make strong trees. And he said, I want you to be rooted and grounded in the love of God. I can't give up because God loves me. I can't fail because God loves me. No matter how bad the devil fights me, I'm not going to lose because God loves me. I'm not walking out. I'm not giving up holiness. I'm not giving up my walk with God because God, I'm rooted and grounded in the love of God. And because I am, it gives me an understanding. I, under, I comprehend the length, the breadth, the depth, and the height. I begin to understand just how much he loves me. And then it fills me with all the fullness of God. I'm not walking around half empty feeling like something's missing because I've got a revelation of the love of God. And that comes when the fruit of the Spirit get in my life. The Spirit of God lets me know how much He loves me. Hallelujah. Man, I feel it up here. Deeply rooted in love makes strong Christians. <coughs> Paul told the Ephesian church that you need to let the love of God dwell, that you need to let Christ dwell in your heart by faith. That, that word in, is translated often as the word trust. You've got to have trust that God loves you. It's a matter of trusting that God loves me no matter what. Sadly, people have been hurt and abused in life they carry scars of broken relationships, past hurts. People don't, because of that, they don't trust people. They put up a defense mechanism. It bleeds into our relationship with God. Because we lose trust, we struggle to trust others. We struggle to trust God. And so what we do is we begin to push people away and begin to push God away because we have lost trust. Diane, Dr. Diane Poole Heller Says, speaks of this cycle. She says that we ultimately push people away which reinforces our fundamental false belief that others want to abandon us. And it becomes a cycle that we begin to push people because we don't have trust. And Paul said, Christ needs to dwell in your heart by faith or by trust. I need to trust that God really loves me. When Christ dwells in my heart by faith, I become deeply rooted in his love. Only then do I begin to understand the dimensions of his love, the length, the breadth, the depth, 
and the height to know the love Christ that passes knowledge. Think about all the things that knowledge has done. Just think about the last 125 years or so where we went from horse and buggy to horseless carriage to sports cars to airplanes to space shuttles and space travel. Knowledge has gone from 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 a pen and paper to a calculator to a computer that used to fill a room to do simple stuff that now the phone that you hold in your hand can do more than the first computers ever did and all that knowledge and here's what the Bible said no matter how much knowledge all the rocket scientists in the world I actually met a literal rocket scientist the other day I was in Florida and I was, I was preaching at a church and the guy literally builds rockets for a company that Elon Musk owns I know a literal rocket scientist and all the knowledge that he has does not compare to the knowledge of the love of God because if you can build a rocket but you don't know that the God of the universe loves you what good is building a rocket translation is then you can be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God let's do one more verse then then we'll stop there Jeremiah 31 and 3 the Lord hath appeared of old unto me saying yea I have loved thee with an everlasting love therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee the Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Not a love that only lasts when I'm on fire for God. Not a love that only lasts when I feel the emotion of happiness and like I'm doing, but, but a love that is everlasting never will stop. He doesn't only love me when I'm good and when I'm full of faith and when I believe I can do all things through Christ. He didn't quit loving me when I suffered from depression or when I messed up. He didn't quit loving me when my faith was low. His love just kept on enduring through all of that. An everlasting love. When you put the needle in your arm and you knew you shouldn't, he loved you. When you stayed home and you should have been here, this is for all you watching online now, he still loved you. When you should have worshipped but you let your attitude or your, your lack of faith or whatever close your worship down, he still loved you. When you struck out against people with bitterness and words of malice, you know what? I have loved you with an everlasting love. And therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn. How many have ever messed up and, and you could just feel that hand of God reaching for you? 
And you thought he'd never reach for you again, but when, but when you were at your lowest, you felt that hand reach. It's because his love is everlasting. I have loved you with an... Marshall, you told me something one time. We were driving down the road. You told me a lot of stuff that I'm not going to preach about. But I'm going to preach about this. You told me when you were as your furthest place from God, messed up, strung out, that you were working on a road crew. And that while you were there in, in, in absolute failure and a backslidden condition, he told me, I heard God speak to me. You know why? Because he loved you with an everlasting love. And even though you were hung over and had whatever in your veins that you had, there was something about that love of God that while you're standing there on the side of the road covered with asphalt on your boots, he's therefore with loving kindness have I drawn you. When you thought you were so far, yet here he is just still reaching. Woo, Hallelujah. Mm. For God is love. Aren't you glad he is love and doesn't just have love? The fruit of the Spirit is love. I, I, like I said, I'm, I made it to page 11 of 27. You, I've got a whole lot here. You don't, but, but, but. Can we suffice it to say for now that there is nothing in the universe as powerful as the love of God? There's nothing as powerful as the love of God. Can I tell you something else that's powerful? That when you get the Holy Ghost, that love gets inside you. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Whew, hallelujah. Amen. Lift your hands to heaven. It's an inexhaustible subject. The greatness of the love of God. And to think that the great God would put His Spirit in you for the purpose of you experiencing and demonstrating his love through you. Whoo, hallelujah. Thank you for loving me, God. With an, can you just thank him? Thank you, God, for loving me with an everlasting love. Thank you, God, for loving me with an everlasting love. Thank you for that love that gives, that brings life, and not just life, but life more abundantly. Thank you because you're thinking about me. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. Thoughts of hope. Thank you, God, that I'm on your mind, oh Lord. Thank you that your love is so, so real and powerful and that you put it in me when you filled me with the Holy Ghost. That when I lifted my hands and you touched me with your spirit and I opened my mouth and responded to the Holy Ghost, that not only was I giving you my words, 
but that you were planting your love inside of me and that through that spirit it was going to do something that nothing else can do. Woo, hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Your eyes are closed all over the house. I want to pray for somebody right now. That struggles with low spiritual self-esteem. That the spirit of condemnation comes on you. On a regular basis and makes you feel. So unworthy and unloved by God. That you view yourself through human eyes. You view yourself through your failures and your mistakes. And your weaknesses. Or maybe as you were growing up, you were always told how no good you were, this or that. And it has so framed the way that your mind works. That it's hard for you to really conceive a great, mighty God that loves you the way I've described tonight. Well, I don't think that God can love me that way. Well, let me go back and say what I said earlier. You don't have the right to tell God what to think I have loved you with an everlasting love God I pray against that spirit of condemnation because you came not to condemn the world but that the world through you might be saved God I pray for that precious soul among us that struggles to really believe to accept that you can love them in the way that your word says that you do and so it keeps them locked up in depression and fear and anxiety it keeps them locked up in a place of feeling so unworthy and it it hinders their worship because they don't feel worthy to worship. It hinders their prayer because they don't feel like they deserve answers. It hinders their walk with you because they often feel like doesn't matter what they do, it's not going to be good enough. God, help us that Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith. That we can get rooted and grounded in love. And to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. That we might be able to comprehend the length, the breadth, the depth, and the height. And to know the love of Christ that passes all knowledge. I pray. <laughs> I pray, God, let somebody find peace tonight. I'll pray somebody find hope. Because the fruit of the Spirit is love. And when you fill them with the Holy Ghost, you fill them with that love. And from that moment, you've been thinking thoughts of good and blessings and peace. I ask you, Lord, to send your peace into this room right now peace for a good night's sleep 
peace that passes understanding. A revelation of your true love. Lord, I, can you help me pray right now? I'm not, just, I'm not just passing time. I got a pizza in the fridge waiting to call it my name. I'm not just wasting time. I'm, I'm reaching because I know what I feel in the Holy Ghost about somebody who has been struggling with feeling so unworthy and it's hindered their spiritual growth. That's your thought, not God's thought. I'm no good for God. I, I might as well not even be here. I'm no good. I can't do anything for the Lord. I'm useless. That's your thought. That's not God's thought. I'm such a failure. I'll never get it together. I'm never figured out. I'm still battling things I should have overcome a long time ago. I'll, I'm never going to make it. That is your thought. That is not God's thought. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts of good and not of evil. For I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn you. What you're feeling right now is the Spirit of God drawing you and the fruit of the Spirit is love. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, because your word is forever settled in heaven. Every man may be a liar, but your word is true. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Help us, God, to rest on the words of the King tonight. For you have surely made a decree that your love is for me. Help me, God, to have a faith-filled attitude and to believe that your love goes beyond all. I want you to lift your hands and I want you to worship and I want you to just thank God. Lord, I thank you because your word is true and it's settled. I don't have to convince you to love me. It's already settled by your word. I don't have to convince you to help me. It's already been settled by your word. I don't have to try to talk you into helping me. It's already been settled. Thank you. Thank you for the revelation of your word, Lord. Why don't you lift your hands and worship? Can you sing that chorus, Brother Ethan? You, you know we don't normally do a song at the end of Bible study, but I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. Somebody needs to receive this as a word from God for you. You need to throw your hand up to heaven and say, Thank you, God, that preacher preached to me. Thank you, God, that you sent a word to me. This is not a word for the person behind you, beside you, across from you only. This is a word for you. You ought to throw your hands up and say, thank you, God.
lay your hand on their shoulder and pray one for another. Reach over, grab your wife or your child by the hand and just ask, thank God for his love. to be thankful. Thankfulness unlocks something. Thank you for loving me. When I was undone, when I was lost, when I was filthy, when I was a sinner, when I was full of bitterness and hate, when I was full of mistakes and failure, thank you because you kept on reaching after me, God. spirit's been washed tonight I feel like like God has opened the water spigot and just washed the negativity and, and, the, and the, 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 the things that this world tries to impose on me I feel like he's just washed and cleansed my spirit anybody feel that way anybody feel like your load's been a little bit lighter thank you Jesus thank you Lord Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Lord, I pray a blessing over your people. I pray for their families. I pray for their homes. I pray for their marriages. I pray for their children. I pray for their mind, their body, and spirit. I pray for their finances. God, I ask you, to confirm this word tonight in their lives with signs following. God, that the fruit of your blessing would flow in such an abundant way with peace and joy and 
God, let your hand be on your people as we go forth out of here and bring us back ready to worship in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord.